Hello, humans. Hello, humans. Hello, humans of the world. Hello, humans of Minnesota, of Minneapolis, of the world, though. I think I'm really shooting for the world here. Welcome. It's Ellie 2.0 Radio. I'm Ellie Krug. You're listening to AM 950. And this is the very first show of 2020. In fact, it's the first show of a brand new decade. Yes, what do you know? A few weeks ago, we celebrated our 100th show, and now I'm on path to doing 150, maybe even 200. If God gives me enough time on this earth, who knows? The sky is the limit. So anyway, welcome and Happy New Year to you. I hope you all had great holidays. I really do. And for this first show of 2020, we've got a great Big interview coming up with a couple of idealists who started a Twin City-based sock company doing social justice work, helping young people who are homeless. You will love this story about hearing about hippie feet. Um, and of course, at the end of the show, we've got my C-block, where I'll talk a little bit about my work. It's the end of the year, or it's the beginning of the year, so I'm going to talk a little bit about what I'd like to accomplish, and then I'm going to give you a big shout-out about an important day in 2020. But let us begin with um, our featured idealist, and she is someone all of you know, someone who continues to this very day um, to act in a way that inspires many, and that is, in many ways, the glue that is keeping America together. I'm talking about Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, first woman speaker in the history of this country. Um, and uh, I think fair to say, a human dynamo. Um, so we're so used to hearing the name Nancy Pelosi, um, particularly with the impeachment proceedings that um, took place in December. And now, of course, we're dealing still with stuff here in January. But who is she? Who is, what is the story behind arguably the most powerful woman in the country, if not in the world? Well, um, First of all, it's good to know this, okay? She was born on March 26, 1940. So she is soon to be 80 years old. Will you make a notation about that? That, that she will soon be 80. Now, of course, she is in great shape physically. She is really great shape mentally. Um, and when I realized that she was um, almost 80 years old, I kind of almost fell out of my seat. Um, well, and Nancy Pelosi is from an Italian family in Baltimore that had its political roots already going before Nancy even showed up. Nancy's mother was born in southern Italy, um, and Nancy herself is the youngest of seven children. And she's the only girl, um, along with six boys, in the, in the um, not, it was not the Pelosi family at that time because that's her married name. Her father... Thomas D'Alessandro, Jr., was a Democratic congressman from Maryland at the time that Nancy was born. He later became the mayor of Baltimore, um, where he was mayor for seven years. Uh, Nancy also has a brother, Thomas D'Alessandro III, who served a single term as Baltimore's mayor. Nancy got involved with politics in an early age, helping her father campaign uh, while, uh, she, uh, while she was still in uh, junior high and high school. 
uh, when she was a senior in college at Trinity College in Washington, D.C., uh, Nancy Pelosi attended the inauguration of, of President John F. Kennedy. After that, after getting out of Trinity College, she interned at a Maryland senator's office. That senator was named Daniel Brewster. Um, she interned uh, with him um, in the Capitol. By the 1970s, um, Nancy Pelosi had met her husband, um, um, a man uh, named Paul, Paul Pelosi, and who was originally from San Francisco, which accounts for why in the 1970s, Nancy Pelosi moved from the East Coast over to the West Coast. Paul Pelosi and the, the two of them are still married. Uh, they were married in, I believe, 1963. Um, they um, still married. They have five children. And Paul Pelosi operates a real estate and venture capital company. Once in California, Nancy Pelosi became involved with local politics. And uh, she dutifully worked her way up the food chain in California until 1977. She was selected to lead the California Democratic Party. Along the way, uh, Nancy befriended a 5th Congressional District. So the 5th Congressional District in uh, California encompasses, uh, I think, uh, four-fifths of the city of San Francisco and then some of the adjoining county. Um, at the time that Nancy was working her way up the food chain in California, that 5th Congressional District was represented by a man named Philip Burton. Um, and Nancy, I mean, as I said, ultimately by the late 1970s, she had established her, her, a name for herself within the California Democratic Party. Um, Philip Burton, a congressman for the 5th Congressional District, died in 1983. Um, as is often the case, um, his wife, a woman named Sela Burton, um, ran for his seat and, and uh, she succeeded him. But um, shortly... After um, that, Selah herself became ill with cancer, and then she died in 1987. Before dying, Selah Burton had made it clear that she wanted Nancy Pelosi to be the one who took her seat. Um, and then the, there was a, a primary where um, it was bitterly fought between Nancy and another Democrat. Nancy did win that, but it was rather close. And then there was a general election in uh, April of 1987, where uh, Nancy handily won um, her first congressional seat. The, the 5th Congressional District has been heavily Democratic, I mean, to the tune of 90% along those lines uh, since uh, the 1940s. So it is one of the most, considered one of the most secure Democratic seats in the country. Since 1987, Nancy Pelosi has won every election for California's 5th Congressional District. Um, all told, she's been elected and re-elected 16 times with an average of 80% of the vote. Now, in following uh, the 2006 elections in which the Democrats picked up 30 seats, um, Nancy was named the first woman speaker. That lasted, of course, until 2011. Um, and again, when the Democrats um, took the uh, midterms in 2016, excuse me, in 2018, not in 2016, in 2018, uh, Nancy then again resumed uh, the speakership. Now, you m may remember that 
in late 2018, early 2019, there were some questions about whether or not Nancy would be selected as speaker. And there was a run by a number of people, including a um, congressman named Ryan, um, who um, advocated that um, she was uh, she was of the um, order of of uh, leaders, congressional leaders that needed to give way to younger leaders. Um, <clears throat> I've got to tell you, and I think it's a was the, one of the best strokes of luck for our country um, that Nancy Pelosi won that fight and she was uh, resumed her role as Speaker of the House. Now, another thing as I was researching this about Nancy Pelosi, um, first of all, of course, we know the role that she has played with the impeachment of Donald Trump. But many of you may not recall that in 2006, when George W. Bush was president, that there was a real move by the Democrats to impeach George W. Bush over his administration's lies uh, that got us into the Iraq war. There was a real push. I mean, there was talk about impeaching him. Now, remember, historically, um, that would have been in the next logical pro progression of presidents after Bill Clinton, after Bill Clinton had been impeached. Uh, it looks like the Democrats wanted to turn around in 2006 and do the same thing. For all of the flack that Nancy Pelosi has gotten about the Trump impeachment, I think it's important to remember back in 2006 when there was a push to impeach uh, pre then-President Bush that Nancy Pelosi resisted that. She resisted her Democratic colleagues in their efforts to, impe to impeach uh, President Bush. Um, I think that that's an, y y that is not a fact that came out um, at all in um, all of the acrimony around uh, the impeachment proceedings in the fall of last year and, and certainly now. This is not something that anybody was freely sharing. And I think that it had that been shared, I mean, I think that it would enhance uh, her, uh, her Nancy Pelosi's credibility. It also underscores the fact that she pushed back on impeaching George W. Bush underscores her role as a leader because leaders lead. Without um, any question, Nancy Pelosi is an idealist. We have had her, we have heard her invoke the Constitution and the Founding Fathers time and again as she has dealt with the impeachment of uh, Donald J. Trump. She has made clear that impeachment was not something she actually wanted to do, and certainly on the night uh, that the two articles um, were voted on and Donald J. Trump was impeached, Nancy Pelosi made it very clear that that was not something to celebrate. As you may uh, recall, um, as she gaveled in that impeachment, there was the start of applause in the chamber, and she looked very quickly and very sternly to shut that applause down. Let us all hope and pray that Nancy Pelosi remains healthy and strong. Our country needs her leadership more than ever. Okay, so um, and when we come back from our break, uh, I will speak with a couple of idealists from Hippie Feet. You will love them. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Thanks. We'll be back in a second. Thank you. At Better Futures Minnesota, we transform the lives of men and support Minnesota's environment by working towards zero waste. 
Our approach reaffirms each man's dignity and supports self-sufficiency. Better Futures Minnesota is a work training model. Through our reuse, retail warehouse, and supervised work crews with specialized in residential and commercial building deconstruction, property maintenance, appliance recycling, and janitorial services, we demonstrate ways to employ hire-to-employ men on a pathway to independence. Hire our work crews at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. We're back on AM 950, LE 2.0 Radio. Um, Nancy Pelosi, I've got to tell you, um, you know (laughs) she is the glue holding the country together right at the moment. So uh, now you know more about her than what you did before. And now uh, I'm going to help open your eyes to something that most of you probably don't know anything about. There is an organization out there named uh, Hippie Feet. And what Hippie Feet does is it uh, manufactures socks or sells socks, and it employs the homeless. And I have with me here in the studio the two founders and owners and overseers of Hippie Feet, uh, Michael Mater and Sam uh, Harper. Harper. Thank you, you Sam. I should have done that better than that. Sorry about that. (laughs) No worries. I've got it written here, but I can't even read my writing. Okay. So, uh, Michael and Sam, welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. I am just thrilled to have you here. Um, And I, you know, I reached out. I saw you had a billboard. The the reason I'm talking to you is you had a billboard on um, Portland Avenue. Uh, that was up, I don't even know if it was up for more than a week, but I saw it and it sparked my interest. What is this hippie feet thing? And then I found you on Facebook or wherever, and then I reached out to one of you. And so that's why you're here. Okay. Awesome. All right. So both of you, welcome to LE 2.0 Radio. And here's the very first question. Tell us what is hippie feet and how did it come about? Yeah, so uh, Hippie Feet is a Minneapolis-based sock and apparel company, um, but our focus as a brand is to provide jobs to homeless youth. So we focus on young people ages 16 to 24 and provide them with employment via our packaging, screen printing, and embroidery processes. Um, our goal, our mission, is to provide them with a temporary income um, that helps them kind of go about their day-to-day. Um, obviously, being homeless is a incredibly difficult thing, especially in this state here where it gets incredibly cold. Um, so we want to provide them with a quick cash opportunity. Um, that way they can earn that income rather than having to go to the streets to do something that is either illegal or unhealthy for them in their long run um, to find that quick cash. All right. So Sam, tell us what, I mean, what are the, what are homeless youth doing relative to the socks? Yeah. So one of the biggest things that we do is our packaging process. That's where we're bringing our socks and our packaging directly into shelters. So it's a safe, convenient environment for the young people using that shelter's services. And we uh, just pay them an hour 
hourly wage to do the packaging there. We want to not discriminate against their ability to do the individual tasks. So we're not paying them per unit or anything like that. Um, the big goal there is regardless of their ability level to provide them with that safe income. Um, really give them an alternative to having to hit the streets, kind of like Michael mentioned. Um, so every time you get a pair of hippie feet socks, on the back of the packaging is the name, initials, or signature of the young person who oh. your purchase helps employ. Holy cow, what a nice connection. That's a really great thing. And are you, so you're going to youth shelters, so are you going like to the Bridge bridge for Youth or to Youth Link, or where are you going? Yeah, absolutely. We have two main uh, nonprofit partners right now, uh, the Link in Minneapolis yep. and Youth Link that you just mentioned there. Absolutely. We're bringing those jobs directly into shelters and nonprofits working with, uh, working with the homeless, and specifically about ages 16 to 24. Okay. Uh, so when you say homeless youth, we're not working with kids or anything like that. Right. But we're looking at it as being that younger, uh, impressionable age range in that 16 to 24 range. Well, some of the some of the shelters I know won't take um, people over age 18. Um, so uh, good for you that you're able to to bridge that kind of um, age range generally. And the socks are made where? Uh, North Carolina or Alabama, so all here in the States. Okay. All right. And you had told me off, off the air, uh, Michael, that the socks are made from recycled cotton? Yeah, so we use primarily cotton to make all of our products. Um, that's going to be recycled from trimmings of T-shirts um, or organic cotton. Um, the recycled cotton is a great material because it actually uses 99% less water than traditional new cotton growth would require. Okay. Um, and the dyes are already existing in the fibers that they're recycling this yarn out of. Um, so there's no new artificial dyes dumped into the environment as a result of this uh, manufacturing process. Okay, so um, I know that right now I've got listeners who are like trying to get on their computer to find out about hippie feet so um sam can you give us uh, the give us the website and and if people want to reach out and talk with you guys by online how can they do that so yeah absolutely so the best place to find hippie feet products or just check out more about what we're doing is at hippiefeet.com now we spell it a little differently h-i-p-p-y um it's our own little twist on it and we're kind of calling on all the great parts of the hippie movement um and leaving the bad ones behind so uh visit us on our website hippiefeet.com um and from there you can get in touch with us you can check out our products but the cool thing you can do there is also look at um take a look at our blog read read around the site a yep. little bit see some more of the work that we're doing with the homeless community um and really understand how uh supporting hippie feet can have an impact for these young people well and you have a video on at least one video on your website about a a, a younger man who talks about being having the opportunity to work for you and and how meaningful it was it is for him to do that so yeah, absolutely. Way to go. I mean, it's a wonderful website. I just want to tell you, I mean, it's very easy to navigate. I love your blog. I pulled stuff from your blog. See, I've got that. <laughs> and so I just, um, I'm re very impressed. So, but there's a whole story here, okay? So, I mean, um, Michael, how old, are, can I ask how old are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm 26. Yeah, and Sam, how old are you? 26 as well. Yeah, okay. So there's part of the story, all right? Because this is... This is not your usual startup business by a couple of dudes just getting out of, out of college, okay? And so how did this happen? What, how did Hippie Feet come about and why are you in it? So, and I have a whole lot of other questions, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so um, I first had the idea for Hippie Feet while I was a senior in college. Um, I graduated from River Falls in 2016, um, but prior to graduation in the fall semester of my senior year, um, I had a traumatic brain injury. So I took a fall off of my skateboard, um, 
cracked my noggin open and unfortunately was unable to go to school that semester and unable to work for a little over three months. Um, that put me in a really uh, peculiar situation uh, where I couldn't earn the income to pay for my own bills. I couldn't pay my rent. I couldn't pay groceries. I had to rely on family and friends to not just financially support me, but emotionally and physically support me as well. Um, I had friends pick me up, drive me around. I had family kind of check in on me, make sure that I was doing okay uh, during this period of time. And I recognized that without that support group, um, homelessness was more than likely the outcome uh, of that injury. And I wanted to create a business, create a brand that acted as a support group for others that weren't as fortunate as I. So that was kind of the initial inspiration for Hippie Feet. And the reason that we associate with the homeless community um, is because how easily uh, homeless can happen. Um, it can happen to anybody. Um, it really just requires one hardship um, and then that lack of a support group. So we wanted to develop a brand that was that support group for those that didn't have one. Okay, so um, so, I, so you, I'm hearing a huge amount of empathy from you. Were you that way? Were you empathetic always? Or did your unfortunate accident, I'm sorry you went through that, did it change the way you viewed the world in terms of empathy for others? You know, I've, I've always been empathetic, but this injury really kind of like propelled that to the next level. Um, it really made me kind of look inside myself and then look outside of the world and start asking some of those hard questions. Um, you know, I had grown up in a very fortunate home. Um, I had... Um, you know, the opportunities to do anything that I wanted to do as a child, sports, um, you know, extracurriculars, what have you. Um, so I was fortunate. Um, but this injury kind of really made me look um, outside of myself, outside of my uh, current existence and, and start asking, you know, what is it that can I, I can do to help others that didn't have what I had growing up or don't have what I have currently? Um, so I think that that injury kind of uh, propelled my uh, level of empathy forward. All right. Well, that's uh, that is... That's an incredible story, but there's still more story here. And when we come back from our break, we'll talk more. Listeners, I've been speaking with the two founders of Hippie Feet, uh, Michael Mater and, and Sam Harper. And when we come back, we'll hear more about their story. And we're going to hear more about them as idealistic 26-year-olds. We'll be back in a second. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works, LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming, diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. I'm Dr. Thomas Adams, President and CEO of Better Futures Minnesota. We're a social enterprise dedicated to rebuilding lives through housing, workforce development, health and family engagement, and coaching supports that give men the skills and relationships they need to succeed. Better Futures Minnesota engages men who had a history of incarceration, homelessness, poverty, untreated mental and physical health challenges to help them achieve self-sufficiency and a better future for themselves and their communities. Visit us at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com to learn how you can support our enterprise. And we're back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. 
Um, before we took our break, I was speaking with uh, Michael Mater and Sam Harper, the two founders and current owners of Hippie Feet, um, a sock manu- a sock selling uh, company here in the Twin Cities that is doing good because it's employing homeless youth, 16 to 24, homeless young people, and helping give them some form of income as they're dealing with their uh, homelessness situation, right? Sam, before we took our break, you know, Michael had kind of laid out a little bit about how he was the inspiration for this as a result of a tragic accident. And I'm really glad to see that you're here. And and I, I when I was a trial lawyer, I actually used to deal with a lot of people who had TBI, tra- traumatic brain injuries. So I'm glad to see that you're doing this. Thank you. Um, but Sam, how did this come about? How did you, you and Michael were not friends. I mean, you, you didn't even know each other. So how did the, what, how did you guys get together? Yeah, absolutely. So, and how long ago was it too? Yeah, so uh, this goes back to my senior year of college. Um, that would have been 20, the 2015, 2016 year. And uh, Michael and I had some mutual friends, and I think we had gotten together in a group of people over over a holiday break, um, a group of probably 10 people, and we talked for maybe 10 minutes that night. Um, and then we went our separate ways, and uh, as I was approaching graduation the following spring, I get a phone call from him um, saying, hey, I have this idea on a business. Uh, I got some funding through the University of Wisconsin uh, college system. Um, would you mind coming and sitting down and talking about it with me? And so uh, we got together on a Tuesday night at probably 6 o'clock at night um, at a bar in my hometown of Hudson. And I thought, heck, yeah, I'll let this guy buy me a beer. That sounds wonderful. I'm, I'm a broke college student. or I just finished <laughs> up being a broke college student. That sounds ideal. Um, so we got together at about 6 o'clock at night, assuming that we would talk for maybe an hour. And that night we ended up shutting down the bar. We left at 2 o'clock that, that night after a great conversation saying, hey, do you want to do this again next week? Um, and from there, we just kind of ran with it. We took this idea of a buy one, give one company um, donating socks to the homeless for every pair sold. That's how you started out? Absolutely. Okay. And we ended up launching it in September of that year. So we had a pretty quick turnaround time. Um, we were able to launch this company um, and actually get out and start donating socks, get out on the streets of Minneapolis and St. Paul, um, really start working with the homeless community there. Um, but every single time we did that, we left with this feeling of... Um, needing to do more, feeling like there there is a better impact that we could be having outside of just handing somebody a pair of socks yep. and then returning two weeks later when they've worn a hole in them. Um, so that's really how we developed our, our employment program that is really the focus of the business today. Okay. Well, I mean, it's an incredible story. So, I mean, I, when I first heard about you, I thought, of course, of your competitor, Bombas, and, you know, and they're giving away one sock. But you, you've gone way farther than that because you're helping to give people, young folks who are homeless, you're giving them an opportunity to earn some money. And you're doing this here in Minneapolis. And where else are you doing this? Yeah, Minneapolis is definitely our focus, but we've been okay. able to take our program on the road as well. So we've okay. taken it to Duluth um, and Chicago as well. Okay. So that's really the idea. We call it pop-up employment because we, we look at it as a program that we can take anywhere and pop up directly in shelters wherever there's a need. So give me some idea how many pairs of socks have you um, given away or sold to date? Yeah, so we uh, initially donated about 20,000 pairs of socks. Um, Holy cow. And that was, <laughs> that was at the um, end of 
2018. So at the beginning of this year, 2019, we decided let's fully commit to this employment program. Um, 2018, we were doing both, and we saw, again, that it wasn't having as big of an impact as it could if we were to just solely focus on providing this kind of barrier-free barrier-free income opportunity to homeless youth. Um, so we transitioned that fully into our employment program in 2019, and today we've provided a little over 1,400 hours of employment to more than 100 young people affected by homelessness. That's great. That's just absolutely wonderful. And if people want to, so let's make sure if people want to buy your socks, how can they do that? Hippie, yeah. hippie feet socks. And by the way, uh, listeners, I've gone on the website. These are really funky, cool looking <laughs> socks. They are just really colorful, very imaginative. Where can people get your socks? You can find all our socks and apparel at uh, hippiefeet.com. And that's uh, hippie with a Y. Okay. All right. And, and uh, do you, uh, you, you were telling me, because we're taping the show, um, this will be after you, your pop-up in the IDS building is closing today in December. Um, are you going to have other pop-ups in uh, downtown Minneapolis or in the metro here? So we do a number of events in the spring and summertime. Okay. Um, just kind of like going to um, the Minneapolis Pride Festival is a big event of ours in June. Um, but primarily online is where we focus our business. Um, online and then our B2B sales. So we actually do some fantastic custom products for other companies. Um, we can basically take any logo and put it on a pair of socks, and then that sock directly um, creates employment for homeless youth. All right. And you were telling me before we started that, uh, was it the Timberwolves who yeah. reached out to you? Yeah, we, we did a sock for the Timberwolves at the beginning of this year. Um, we have a number of fantastic partners. Uh, you have Masonic Children's Hospital, Timberwolves. Um, we've done some work with Microsoft in the past as well. So um, that's a great way for us to grow as a brand and a great way for us to create significant numbers of hours of employment for homeless youth is through these kind of custom uh, collaborations. All right. So listeners, if you're if you're listening, you've got a you've got a company or you've got some entity that you want to give a very unique um, kind of customer present for or, or relationship present, reach out to you guys, right? And, Absolutely. And give socks. All right. So now uh, we've got a, a little bit more than uh, seven minutes here to speak. And now I want to talk about the two of you as idealists, okay? I've got to tell you, it's not often I get 26-year-old or even 20-something or even 30-something-olds here to talk about being idealistic um, sometimes, but I think you might be the two youngest guys I've had on the show and um, in, you know, a hundred different shows. Um, it's not a given in today's world that you would be doing this. So, uh, Sam, what, what made you an idealist? Because this is not your first throw at, at trying to help people. You, you were involved with Save Your Melon before, yeah, right? Yeah, I love your melon, the uh, Minneapolis-based hat company. Yeah. Absolutely. I worked with them uh, throughout college and sat on their board of directors for a couple of years there right. um, as they were growing. And, you know, it, it, I guess the overall idea of why I want to work in this space, that helping others, um, there's, there are big conversations right now around privilege and the idea that, um, you know, some people come into this world with advantages um, just by the accident of birth. And with that, I think there needs to be a follow-up conversation about responsibility. Um, and I, I, I'm born in the U.S. I am lucky enough to have an education. I have a loving family supporting me. Um, and with those tremendous privileges, I want to take those and pay them forward um, and really, I feel a sense of responsibility with that, a, a, a need to give back and a need to have a deeper impact. Um, so graduating college, you're kind of faced with a fork in the road, um, some choices of what you want to do. And I wanted to go a route that would have 
an impact and make a difference for others. Okay. Well, thank, was there somebody in your family, some role model that you had that triggered, put some seed inside you that you needed to give back? Because again, it's not a given, guys, all right, that yeah. you would be here doing this. Absolutely. I would have to say I had a, a grandmother who was just an absolute inspiration to me. She was a, a single mother to my mom and my uncle, um, living through some really sort of hard circumstances as she was bringing them up. Um, and it was that constant passion for making their lives better and trying to to um, work selflessly to improve the lives of others around her, um, maintain that that focus on others even when times were hard for her. Um, that's an absolute inspiration for me, and that's a really sort of big, uh, been a big driver uh, behind the way I work for pretty much my whole life. And Michael, what 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 hap- What made you an idealist? I mean, you talked about your accident, and I can appreciate that, but there had to be something deep down before that to cause you to have this view about the world. Yeah, so uh, I also had a grandmother that she spent her entire career volunteering or working for nonprofits. Um, so her kind of focus as an individual was to give back. She really wanted to make her efforts um, – have a positive effect on the people around her. Um, my mom was an elementary school teacher, still is. Uh, so she's kind of out there shaping our youth. And I, I think from from that side of the family, I definitely kind of took on this this sense of empathy and, as Sam says, responsibility as well. Uh, I really wanted to, you know, give back to the people that I fell for, the people that I, you know, could relate to their struggles, um, not on the same level that they could, obviously, but in some small way, if I could relate to their pain, if I could relate to the hardship that they're going through, I wanted to do what I could um, with my resources to, to give back to those people. So, um, and, and I'm going to use the two of you as much as I can to get educated. In your cohorts, okay, in your mid-20-something cohort of friends and family, do is this idea about recognizing privilege that you you talked about Sam is this more prevalent and is and in your cohort are there more people that are saying we're not going to operate as business as usual we're going to try and and approach this world in a different way which of course is that's idealistic i, I mean is is there more of that with your cohort than what you're seeing in the 30 somethings the 40 somethings yeah you know? well i i think it's certainly present and i i don't know if i can compare it to other sort of age groups um but there's there's still resistance as well um in our age group there are people that i think look at the idea of privilege as being an attack on them uh, uh, rather than you know rather than just sort of a responsibility truth yep. and a responsibility right. absolutely right. um so I, I, there's certainly discussion around it, but I can't say that there, there's wholesale buy-in among our, our age group either. Looking to the generation younger than us, the, there's a lot of talk about Gen Z today. That's a group where I see that wholesale acknowledgement of it, really that buy-in to the idea that privilege is a real thing. And with it, there has yep. to be corresponding action. Well, and, you know, and I do, I, I do a lot of inclusivity work around the country and um, I'm actually launching a talk around white fragility and around, you know, the, the inability of some people, a lot of people that are of old, older, you know, more years, um, ha- being unable to even have a conversation around privilege. You know, being a- unable to have a conversation around skin, how skin color f- impacts and affects people. You know, and these are, and of course, these are the people that are at the levers. You know, they're the ones who control things. 
Um, but I, you know, I just want the two of you to know that I really respect you. I really do. And I am just um, thrilled that you're, you know, you're doing hippie feet and that you are out there doing things with people who don't have hope. I mean, I'm assuming you're meeting a lot of people in shelters who have lost hope for a lot of different things. Yes. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's something that I'm always fascinated um, by with the young people that we work with. Um, they have some of the biggest uh, struggles ahead of them still. Um, they have some of the least amount of resource, um, but they still manage to look at their peers, look at the people that they're experiencing homelessness or hardship with and feel a level of responsibility towards them. Um, they are a very tight-knit and loyal group. Um, I've seen people pull the last five bucks out of their own pocket and give it to somebody else because yep. they need it more. And these are people that have just about nothing. Um, and I think those are lessons that all of us can learn from is when you see a group of individuals that are struggling and truly struggling, look out for each other better than those of us with privilege look out for each other. Um, I think that's where you can draw inspiration from is, is looking at the people that, that have the least but are doing the most um, with what they have. Well, listen, um, I could talk with you all afternoon here, but I just want to thank you. I want to thank you, Michael Mater and Sam Harper from Hippie Feet. Thank you for being on LA 2.0 Radio, and go to it. Keep going at it, okay? And let me know if there's anything I can ever do to help you. All right. Well, thank you for awesome. that. Thank you, Ellie. Thanks for being on the show. That. All right. Well, listeners, you're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on LE 2.0 Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Um, follow me on Twitter or at on Instagram. Thanks so much. We'll be back in a second. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years. Celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. At Better Futures Minnesota, we believe everyone deserves a fair shot. We believe in personal redemption and second chances, and that those who are dedicated to change and hard work should have the opportunity to achieve success and make a positive impact in the community. The men we embrace and serve have made mistakes, but they aren't bad people. We work with men who take responsibility for their past and are committed to doing better, who work to create a better life for themselves, their family, and the community. Learn more at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. We're back on AM 950, LE 2.0 Radio. Um, I don't know about you, but I'll tell you, um, Michael and Sam inspired the heck out of me. I just, uh, I just, my heart was bursting as I was talking with them. I mean, remember, 26 years old. Remember. I mean, you know, they could be doing anything in today's world, but... But they decide that they're going to open up a company to sell socks and then to employ homeless youth. Come on. I mean, unbelievable. And uh, that, frankly, that's 
what I love about this show is that I find these people um, who are doing good in the world, who are idealistic, and I hope that it's renewing a sense of hope in everyone who's listening to the show when I have folks like them on. And, uh, and by the way, I have a lot of folks like that, on, uh, but not nearly as young. And so that's even more inspiring, if you ask me. All right, we're in my C block now. This is where I talk about my work, talk about what I do as a hopeless idealist going out in the world. Um, and I don't, you know, um, we're, I'm coming off, uh, well, I'm still on a break. Um, I have not uh, spoken publicly or trained publicly for almost a month and, of course, it's getting to me a little bit. I'm going to be doing some pro bono work, some pro bono talks. Um, and if you want, go to my website at elliekrug.com, uh, scroll down to upcoming engagements, and you'll be able to see there are going to be a number of public speak uh, talks that I'm going to give at churches or nonprofits that will be open to the general public, uh, certainly that you can come to in January. And I'm doing those pro bono because I need to get you know, I need to be speaking and training. It's something that you have to keep doing. You cannot just, like, not do it for two months and then think that you're going to be good. So, um, you know, it's a new chapter. It's a new year. Um, and, of course, we're all, we all do these, you know, resolutions and all that kind of stuff. I mean, just to give you an idea about last year, I did 154 talks and trainings across North America. I mean, that included speaking at Harvard Law School for a whole day. It included me training judges on how to be welcoming to transgender and non-binary people. And it included me giving an, a keynote to 3,000 people in the social services field up in Duluth. It was quite the year. But frankly, it wasn't good enough. Not for me. Not for this idealist. I've got to do more. And I need to do more and have an even bigger impact in 2020. For one, I'm working on a YouTube channel. Um, where I will do 10 to 15-minute podcasts with me as visuals as well, where I'll talk about compassion and surviving the human condition. That is coming up uh, sometime in 2020, hopefully in the spring. Um, uh, secondly, if we're going down a list of resolutions here, um, I hope to make this show, the one that you are listening to right now, more impactful with guest interviews of national figures. I am going to try. I'm going to try my best to get big name people to come on Little Ellie, Ellie 2.0 Radio to talk about their idealism and about trying to change the world. Most importantly, I want to do more work and be seen as the voice of reason in this time of national discord. Now, you know, I mean, you're listening to AM 950. This is a progressive radio station. There's no, you know unabashedly uh, they are to the left of center unabashedly this station most of the folks here who are who get involved with doing political discussion are you know are democratic and and um and progressive people and god love this station because there aren't many of them left in the united states i think there are 26 progressive radio stations left and i'm proud to be part of this however that's not what i do i'm a unifier and i'm not a divider I don't have anything against my colleagues here. You know, I mean, my God, go listen to Matt McNeil. God, I love you, Matt. But what I am is I'm a unifier. I'm here to try and talk about how can we get past all of this stuff without bashing each other's heads in. 
you know, and and I'm 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 I'm, I'm and 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 I continue to believe that all of us care about each other deeply. That the Reds care about the Blues, the Bernies care about the Reds. We all care about each other completely, way more than anyone understands. We do. The problem is we're just afraid. We're afraid to take risk. We're afraid we're going to say the wrong thing. We're going to afraid we're going to be made uncomfortable. But in my work, the work that I am doing day in and day out, training on human inclusivity, I am seeing it real time in the room that we actually care about each other. So, um, you know, my goal uh, for 2020 is to help demonstrate more, okay, about how I can be a voice of reason and how I can be a unifier. Finally, I hope to at least do one cross-country speaking or listening road trip about going to places, um, and I'm already thinking that I'm heading south, like direct south from Minnesota, um, heading all the way down to Texas, that I'm going to go to places where people are afraid to live authentically and be themselves. Now, here's my last comments in this C-block. Um, I don't think I can say this overstated, that this may be the most pivotal year of my total 63 years on this earth. What happens in November of 2020 very well will dictate whether America remains the country we assumed it was and is. Um, And I ask that you right now, beginning in January of 2020, begin speaking to family members and friends about the importance of voting I ask that you do this, that you go to your calendar right now and you put a big circle around November 3rd because that is a date that you need to be active, that you need to get out and vote, and that you need to get others to vote. And I ask that you be prepared and that you then do it to march and assemble in October because it makes no sense to march after the fact. We only get one shot here. And you need, I'm going to be there with you, out in the streets in October, talking about how we need to take this country on a better course, that we need to get this country in a better direction. Lastly, lastly, thank you for supporting me in my work. I am so grateful for how you support me in the past and how you will do it in 20. Now I need to be a big thanks to our sponsors, Brending Electrolysis over in St. Paul. Tell Bev I send you. She does great work, as well as Better Futures Minnesota. Um, wonderful sponsors, both of them for us. I'm looking for more sponsors in 20. Please reach out. Um, And then I need to give a big shout out to my producer, Eric Nelson. Eric, thank you so very much for putting up with me. And listeners, thank you all for tuning in on every Monday. I really appreciate it. Go out, do good things, be kind to humans as well as to yourself. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks so very much. Bye.